Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving today. Uh, Welcome to week number three of All In. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, This series so far has been very um, powerful and challenging at the same time. We we are talking about the kingdom of God, and it's a message that a lot of preachers and leaders steer away from. Um, We're okay with preaching Jesus. We're just not sure about preaching the message Jesus preached, which was the kingdom of God. Everywhere he went, he talked about this kingdom, not just a place that we will spend eternity, but he talked about the fact that he made a way for us to bring heaven into the earth. And uh, that's, that's the kind of life that Jesus wants you and I to live, that we are able to manifest God's kingdom everywhere we go. Um, we've learned in this series that Jesus is not just um, a political figure. We know that the Bible is not or or, or Jesus is not just a religious leader, but he is a political leader. And the Bible's not uh, a religious book, but it's a book about a king who's bringing a kingdom. And so that's what we've been dealing with in our first message, which I I did not originally plan for, but on first Wednesday, turns out that that became uh, message one of this series. And if you missed that message, we called it Cultivating the Kingdom. I would encourage you to go back, listen to that, uh, the production team has informed me that it is the most, it has the most plays of anything we've ever put online. Uh, so a lot of people are either going back to listen to it or you guys, um, last Sunday, you went home and, and listened to it sometime this week. But if you haven't, uh, that would be a great place to start to catch you up to where we are. Um, that was week one. We, we know that cultivating the kingdom, the reason we have to cultivate it is because Jesus said his word is a seed, right? The Word of God is seed, and He wants to plant that in our lives, and and we know that seed impregnates, that God is developing something on the inside of you that's greater than what you're going through, but you have to know how to cultivate it. It's so powerful that the Scripture says that when the Word of God is sown, that Satan comes immediately to snatch that Word, that Word, that seed from growing. Uh, He wants to keep you from reaching your potential, How does he do that? He does that through temptation. He does it through trials. He does it through offense. He does it through um, the cares of this world. The enemy will choke the word, the seed of God's word, out of our heart just because we have so much on us. And so we we have to cultivate that and develop it. Last Sunday, we talked about our grown-up year. And we learned last week that God will many times put us in a season where we have to develop ourselves, prepare ourselves for what God wants to do in our lives. It's not always uh, your grandma's prayers. It's not always the pastor, uh, you know, helping you. How many of you have to reach a place in your walk with God that you can work the word for yourself? And and that's what last uh, week was about. And I'm going to build off that this week. And I simply want to call this, can you handle the blessing? Come on, hit your neighbor and ask them, can you handle the blessing? All right, look at your second choice and tell them, can you handle the blessing? Can you handle the blessing? The truth is, God wants to make sure that you can handle the blessing so that you do not squander the blessing. 
A lot of us are asking for God to do things that we couldn't handle if he did them. We're praying for stuff that we couldn't manage if we had them. And so God has set everything up in such a way that whenever his people obey kingdom principles, that they position them, their lives in a way where heaven can flow freely. This is why the message of the kingdom is so important. Now, I haven't taken the time to do this in this series, but I want to do it today. I want to show you what Jesus said about the kingdom and its importance. In Matthew chapter 13, starting in verses 44, we'll go through 46, it says again, Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great, great price, went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. So Jesus preached the message of the kingdom, but if you, if you take notice at how he talked about the kingdom, he talked about it like a treasure hidden in a field, and a guy found it, and what did he do? He went and sold everything else to buy the field with, with the kingdom. So the principle is, is if, if you get the kingdom, you get it all. Like I'll sell everything else. We learned last week, Jesus said, seek first, what? The kingdom and everything else will be added to you. So he says it's like a treasure in a field, like a pearl amongst other pearls, okay? So it's almost like there's a mystery surrounding the idea of the kingdom, which makes sense when you look at Matthew 13 and 11. Jesus said, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Mark 4 and 11, Jesus said, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So the kingdom is a mystery. How many know? Not everybody understands the kingdom. The Bible talks about things being spiritually discerned, that, that many of the things of God appear foolish to those who are perishing. They don't, they, but why? Because it is spiritually discerned. That's why Paul said in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, he said, God has some stuff for us that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, it hasn't entered into the heart of man, but it has been revealed through the Holy Spirit. They are spiritually discerned. So, yes, there is a mystery surrounding the kingdom of God. It is like a treasure. It is like a pearl amongst pearls. But look at this. Jesus also said in Luke 12, 32, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. One more passage here, Luke 17. Verses 20 and 21, it says, When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. All right, so there is a mystery about it. It is a treasure in a field, a pearl amongst pearls, but it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, and this kingdom is within you. How many know that what is in you is greater than what's, go what, what's going on around you? And so he has put this kingdom on the inside of you, but Jesus said that the kingdom uh, isn't something to be observed, okay? It's not that we sit outside the kingdom and observe it. 
Jesus said that the kingdom is not about observation, but here's what Jesus wants us to know. It's about manifesting the kingdom everywhere we go, making the earth look and function more like heaven. So Jesus says it's a treasure, it's a pearl, and it's a mystery. Living in the kingdom, being all in, that's why we've called this series All In, means that we have positioned our lives so that heaven can flow through us. Um, and I'm going to get to some blessings in this series, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to a, a place where we talk about kingdom blessings. How many know there are blessings attached to the kingdom? We're going to get to those, but before we get to all those blessings, I got one more challenging message for you. Hope you guys are ready for this. Hit your neighbor one more time and say, can you handle the blessing? Now, the principle I'm going to give you today, I think, can advance your life. It can accelerate your life if you can, if you can grab hold of this. I'm going to start by saying this. God has the ability to take you from the background to the forefront into the inheritance that he is destined for you and with you. How many know that God can take you from obscurity and bring you into notoriety? He can take you from being broke to owning a company. But I'm going to show you some things today that will help you because God has already put in you everything you need. A lot of us think we don't have what we need. No, we already have everything we, we need to do what God has called us to do. And I think a great story to help illustrate this comes from the Old Testament book of Ruth. I'm not going to go and like read scriptures, but I'm going to set the story up for you. If you've never read the book of Ruth, you need to take time to do that. But the story begins with a family, and this family, they leave Bethlehem, Judah, and they go to a place called Moab. And it's significant because Bethlehem means house of bread or house of the word. And, and Judah means praise. How many know anytime you leave the word and you leave praise, you're going to end up in a drought? So they left and they ended up in, in a terrible place. And the scripture says that all the men died. All that was left was Naomi and her, her two daughter and laws. Like, and one of them was, was the name Ruth. That's who the book is named after. Now, Naomi and Ruth decide, you know, things are not going well. We're going to make our way back to Bethlehem, Judah. And so they make their way back, and if you fast forward from there, once they get back to Bethlehem, Judah, Ruth finds herself begging in a field that she would eventually own. I want you to think about that. Starts off, she is begging in a field that God had already destined that she would own. I want to just stop right here and say God is taking notes about how you manage this season because it could be the place you are managing will be the place that you own. But he takes notes because we have to be able to manage all the seasons of our life with excellence. And so God moves her from begging in this field to finding favor with a man by the name of Boaz who owned, owned the field, eventually they get married, and out of that union comes Jesus Christ. Now, it all started with her begging in a field. So we see that God advanced her from, from one level, one season, to the next. It's a story of preparation. Um, in, the, in this story, we learn that if we really want the blessing of God, that we have to be able to manage the season that we are in. 
Now, what do I mean by managing the season we're in? Well, go to Genesis 2, and I'm going to show you. Genesis 2, verses 4 through 6. It says, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. This principle right here can change your life. God caused it not to rain because there was no man to tend the ground. I want you to catch this because when you look at Ruth, look at Ruth, God moved her from one phase to the next phase because she managed each season well. When she was a beggar in the field, she never complained. She took on the responsibility of her mother-in-law. How many know that has to be God? (laughs) She never complained. Come on, somebody, help me out this morning. She picked up other people's leftovers. She never complained. Then somebody by the name of Boaz favors her, and she doesn't become proud and think that she's better than everyone else. She's able to manage the good times and the bad times. And as she managed those seasons, God advanced her. The thing I love about Ruth is that she knew that there was something different about her, that she wasn't like all the other women, though that God had brought her from begging in in a field to at the table with Boaz, she knew there was something on the inside of her, even in the midst of a people that could have pulled on her to cause her to blend in, she knew she was called to stand out. I just got to preach right here for just a second. I don't want to be in this generation. I don't want to live my life just blending in with the crowd. I want there to be something about my life that causes me not to blend in, but to stand out. And so she, she manages each season without complaining. Leftovers, no complaining. Begging, no complaining. Take care of your mother-in-law, no complaining. So Ruth teaches us that we should handle great gains with humility and great losses with gratitude. Now she's in the final phases of life, and the woman, her mother-in-law, she had been taken care of, her name is Naomi, starts giving Ruth some instructions. Again, it has to be God. You're taking instructions from the mother-in-law. She does everything she is asked to do and never questions it and never debates it. Touch your neighbor and ask your neighbor again, can you handle the blessing? We're going somewhere. What does Genesis say? God caused it not to rain on the earth because there was no man to tend it. God put all the seed in the ground. He put everything the ground needed to be fruitful, he put it there, and God would not allow it to rain because there was no one there to tend it. The spiritual truth is God held up the progress because there was no one to manage it. Some of us think the devil is holding up the progress. We think people are holding up the progress But I came to Bethesda this morning to tell somebody it's not the devil and it's not people. God is holding up the progress and he's saying, I'm not going to rain on you until you can manage the blessing. 
Now, this is tough. I mean, this is going to be tough because a lot of us are praying for things that we can't even manage. Oh, I just wish I could have four kids. Let me talk to you about that. How many know you got to manage those four? Oh, I, I got preachers say, I'd love to pastor a thousand people. How many know? Let me just say it like this. Ten years ago when I became pastor, if there was a thousand people here, it would have killed me. And I, I'm not saying that to be funny. I wouldn't have made it. I wasn't prepared at 29 to handle what I can handle at 40. God has to bring you to a place that you can steward and manage what he is blessing you with. The word tend, he said, it's not going to rain until I can find a man who can tend the ground. The word tend means to manage. That's the Hebrew word. It means to manage it. So the first thing God looked for after creation was not a pastor, a preacher, or an apostle. The first thing God looked for was a manager, someone who could handle the blessing, someone who could handle the resources. So God will not let it rain on fields that you cannot manage. So before you ask God to bless you, you need to ask yourself, can I manage this blessing? Can I handle this blessing? And we have to understand that God does not have to give you any more. Like he doesn't have to put any, anything else in you. The seeds of wealth are, are, are already in you. Now see, like three people said amen. Because if you say that the people of God can prosper, a lot of people get nervous. But in the kingdom, there's no lack. You can't manifest the kingdom if you're broke. How are we going to clothe the naked and feed the hungry? See, the, the seeds of healthy relationships are, are already in you. The seeds to own companies are already in you. I'm, I want to stretch you this year. Can we stretch this year? The seed for an idea that will change the world is already in you. It's already there. God has already placed everything under the surface that you need to prosper, but he cannot rain on seed that you cannot take care of. This, this principle can change your life. The seed is in you, but the question is, will you call yourself higher? Will you confront your own weaknesses? Will you demand that you be better? Will you demand not excellence of others? Will you demand excellence of yourself? See, a person that has to have someone over them all the time, calling them higher, pointing out their weaknesses, telling them what they need to work on, that person is not ready to handle the blessing. It's the person that can confront their own bad attitude, their own, their own wrong thinking, their own, their own weaknesses, that I don't need you to call me higher or tell me what's wrong with me. I can see what's wrong with me, and I'm going to demand of myself more in 2018. I'm going to position myself... To receive from God. But God's got to be able to trust us. And so the Bible has a lot to say about management. And it also, in the Old Testament, has a lot to say about circumcision. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. There is a spiritual component to circumcision. Obviously, it is 
literally the, the cutting away of the flesh, but that is a spiritual principle. That we have to cut back our own flesh. We have to cut back the areas in our life that is keeping us from handling the blessing. So Genesis 17 says about Abraham that Abraham circumcised himself. Now, now you say, well, pastor, why are you talking about this? Because here's what you need to know. People who are really mature know how to cut their own flesh back. Some of us, we don't do anything better until somebody tells us to. But those who can confront their own issues, their own weaknesses, how many know that you don't need anybody to tell you what's wrong with you? You already know. The point is, is can you cut it back? Can God trust you with the blessing? See, God is ready to reign. Are you ready to manage? Most churches that I go to that say, I just really want to grow. I want to reach people. And then I look at their systems and their structure and all the stuff they have in place, and I have to come to the conclusion, no, you don't. You've not prepared anything for God to work with. God's glory is never poured out on something without structure. Like if you don't have a structure or if you have not prepared yourself, the rain's not coming. And a lot of us, we have a hard time with that because we, in church culture, just believe God's going to bail us out every time. We're going to preach it today. Because this is, this is we, we have to get this. God came to a place where everything was set, the earth was ready to explode, the seed was ready, it simply needed to rain. God needed somebody to manage it. That's a principle. Now, this also works in another realm. I want you to catch this as well. The Bible lets us know that before we can be given our own, we have to be able to manage what belongs to someone else. I'll give you some examples. Ruth begging in a field that she would eventually own. David was hired part-time to come play the harp for King Saul to drive out the demons in his life in a palace that would become his. Elisha poured water on Elijah's hands for 20 years before he stepped into his own prophetic ministry. See, we're praying, God, give me my own, but you can't even serve those around you. Give me my own, God. I, I want my own this. I want my own that. And God's saying, I'm watching how you've been serving others, and you're not ready to have your own. You have to be able to manage what belongs to someone else well if God is going to entrust something bigger to you. Management, that's what it's all about. Management is the proper and effective use of resources to the intent of the one who gave it. That means when I'm managing what belongs to someone else, I don't do it in a way that pleases me. I do it in a way that pleases the owner. Like if I'm managing somebody else's, they don't need me to, to come to the conclusion of what's best. If it's not yours, 
stop speaking to it and just do what they told you to do. And if you do it with the right attitude and you do it well, God's taking notes. Listen, the, the, the seeds you sow as a follower are the seeds you will reap as a leader. Just ask yourself, if everybody was like me, how would that thing be? Now, you may not want to do that today. Wait until after we pray at the end. I take this principle very seriously because I realized, I realized early on God wanted to raise my management level to another, to another level. And I want to ask you guys, how many want God to take your management level to the next level? Right? Like you really want to be able to manage more. Let, let me rephrase it. We'll, we, we can grab this. How many of y'all want to own your own house? I, no, I'm not talking about a mortgage. You want to own it. Three of you. Yeah, yeah. How many would like to own your own house debt free? Right? Would you like that? My question is, is how are you treating that rented apartment? Now listen, if there's holes in the wall and you ain't swept the floors in three months, you don't need your own house. If you can't take care of a one-bedroom apartment, you don't need a house to manage. I am preaching real good. We don't want to hear this. But we all act crazy when we're taking care of stuff that don't belong to us. For instance, you rent a car. Grandma will do donuts in the parking lot of a rented car. Why? It don't belong to her. We treat stuff that don't belong to us in a manner that's not excellent. And then we want our own stuff. Come on, we can teach this to our kids, right? There was a national uh, survey in 2017. And this study revealed, it wasn't a survey, it was a study revealed that in an eight-hour workday, the average employer is getting two hours and 53 minutes of work. And they went on to do the study. They said, there's like 2,000 people they, they studied. One hour and five minutes on reading new websites. 44 minutes on social media. 40 minutes discussing non-related things with coworkers. 26 minutes on searching for new jobs. That's real good. 23 minutes on smoke breaks, 18 minutes making calls to partners or friends, 17 minutes on making hot drinks, 14 minutes on texting, 8 minutes on eating snacks, and 7 minutes on making food. These people like to eat. That's, that's, that's the problem. So I just paid for 8 hours, and you're giving me 2 hours and 53 minutes of work. I just want to say this out loud. Just because I can't catch you doesn't mean God is not testing you. I might, I might not know that you're doing that and getting away with it, but you need to know that God is testing you in that which pertains to your own future, and he sees you ripping me off. Now, we don't like this kind of preaching. because We want to do our own thing and get the blessing anyway. You want your own ministry, but you don't serve in the ministry God has placed you in. We're not ready to handle the blessing. Management's important. Look at, look at Psalm 115. It says, may you be blessed by the Lord 
who made heaven and earth, the heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children, children of men. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So God is maker of heaven and earth, and he could have given us any part to manage, but God gave us the earth to manage. He told Adam, I have given the earth to you. I want you to take dominion. I want you to manage the earth well. So I have to manage what God has given me personally, and I need to manage that well. What do I mean? God has given me certain gifts, certain talents that, that are unique to me. I have to manage that. God has given me resources. I have to manage that. Hit your neighbor and say, you got to manage that. God, God has given me certain things that I have to manage. I have to tend, and, and I have to do it well. And I have to do it understanding that God delegated it to me. And, and if I want to know how to manage it, I don't need to figure it out myself. I need to ask the one who gave those gifts to me. I need to ask the one who gave me those resources. God, how do I manage this well? And so God did not give us the same gifts or talents or resources, but he does expect all of us to manage that well. That means that when I'm living my life, I have to live by a different set of values why? Because I am managing something. God has put something in me that's greater than what I'm going through. So I'm going to manage the blessing in a way that pleases God. And so that means I have to learn how to, when to say yes and when to say no. I need to know if I'm in a season for me or if I'm in a season for sacrifice. I need to know it, it, what's, if I need to be in a crowd at this season of my life or if I need to be alone. I want to make this real practical for us. I just turned 40 in December. I know. I'm not old, but I'm older. Just turned 40. And, and so it's caused me to, to pause a little bit and, and not just think about, what God wants to do, dreams, visions, all the big stuff we get excited about. But it's also made me take a hard look at how I want to manage the rest of my life. God has given us the ability to choose, right? We get to determine how we manage what God has given us. Now, just, just so I hope you don't get mad, but I want you to hear my heart. This means, for me, this is me, this is not for you, this is me. This means that every church that calls me, hope you're not watching, okay. Every church that calls me and says, I want you to come preach, it means that I can't say yes every time. There was a season in my life that every phone call, every text, every opportunity to go preach and share the gospel, it didn't matter how long the car ride was, how many airplanes I had to get on, the answer was yes every single time. But at this age and at this point in my life, I am understanding that God is expecting me to manage what he has given me well. And so in this season, I am saying no just as much as I say yes because it does me no good to get on airplane after airplane, car ride after after car ride and come home and give my family leftovers and Bethesda Church leftovers because I want to manage this season well. I used to live completely worn out. I said yes to everything. And it wore me out. And I wondered why I was wore out. The reason was because I had no sense. I had no ability to manage. No ability to say yes 
when it was time, when you know God was saying something, and know when God was saying, don't, don't go there. And some of us, let's, let's make it practical for you. Some of you, you're so dead set on, I'm going to save 50 bucks on something, that not only will you spend three months researching of your own time, but then you'll get in a car and drive four hours to go save 50 bucks, not realizing that between gas and food, you spent 100 that you, wasn't, you shouldn't have had to have spent. You've actually spent 50 more. Come on, hit your neighbor and say good management. Oh, I got a deal. It's like, y'all know, know how women are, right? They come up, oh, I found this deal. I had to buy it. No, that's not a deal. We didn't budget that. Oh, I should have talked about the guys and their hunting stuff, right? Proper management. Golf ain't getting none of my money now. I got four kids. All right, now, go a little deeper. When you get serious about the next level, God will send people into your life, voices into your life, that will challenge your thinking. Now, the key to this is, Anytime I wanted to go to the next level, one, I wanted to surround myself with people that were further than me. But oftentimes, God would use voices that when they spoke, when they told me what I needed to do, I didn't really like it. So I, you have to get to a place where the voices that challenge you, that it no longer offends you. See, God wants to send the rain, but can you manage the blessing? Some of us are not ready for advancement because we criticize those who are ahead of us instead of celebrating them. Now, now this one is, is difficult because we live in a culture of haters. And they don't even need a reason to hate you. They see you successful. They see you further than they are. And then they're quick to judge or criticize we have to understand that people who are successful, that are doing great things, you, before you speak, you need to realize there was a price for them to get there. There were decisions they made that you were not willing to make. And when we criticize them for being successful, that's only an indictment against our own laziness. Proper management. God has given us the ability to choose. Life is about choices. As a man sows, that will, will he reap. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. So God gives you and I the ability to choose, and the more we choose kingdom principles, the more of his kingdom, his government, comes into my life. And the kingdom has everything you need. Most of us, though, spend our days chasing stuff instead of seeking the kingdom. There are certain outcomes that you can create by making the right choices. That's why God said things like, choose you this day whom you will serve. God said in Deuteronomy 28, he said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. But how many of God's not choosing for us? He says, you choose you choose whether you want to be blessed or cursed. Now, God is begging that we choose blessing, begging that we choose life. We also have to ask, how do we respond to a problem? Every problem that comes our way, we get to choose how we respond. Think about this for a minute. 
Judas and Peter, same problem, same night. Judas responded with suicide. Peter responded with repentance. Same problem, same night, different response. One killed himself, the other said, I'm sorry. Decisions, decisions govern my life. I have to manage what God has given me. That means if I'm going to manage what God has given me, I can't waste a lot of time. Now, I have learned over this past year that with four kids, I don't have a lot of time. So I can't waste a lot. And, and, and this was a principle that I utilized before the four kids. I don't waste a lot of time. If I'm in a car driving four hours somewhere, there is something in there teaching me. If I'm on an airplane for three hours, I am, I, I'm, there's a podcast, there's a leadership, but there is something teaching me. There is something. I don't have time to waste time. Now, I could get on there like most people and just be entertained for three hours or entertained in the car for four hours. I could do that, but let me just say to all those folks, don't get mad at me when I receive an outcome that you don't get because while you were being entertained, I was investing in myself. You have to develop what's, somebody's going, needs to get, get a hold of this. You have to cultivate the seed. How many of that's up to you? God's not going to do it for you. You have to make a decision. God is ready to reign on fields that you are ready to manage. Now this next part is really heavy, but hit your neighbor and say, he's almost done. I want to take my time in setting this up. Worship team, you guys can come back. If you don't, I'm going to meddle. I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm about to say or take it out. How many of you can take one part of a message out of context and you could ruin me? Right? Because you don't listen to the whole thing. Here, here's the deal. We believe here at Bethesda Church in the whole Bible like all of it. I believe we can raise the dead. I, I do. I believe we can cast out devils. I've done that. It's not fun, but I believe we can do it. Come on, y'all smile at me. Um, I, I believe in all of it, healing. I believe in miracles. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I, I believe in, we believe it from Genesis all the way to maps. Everything in it. Okay, so hit your neighbor and tell them we believe it all. We believe it all. I had to give you context because what I'm about to say will offend some. Miracles are dangerous to church people because miracles negate work. Miracles are dangerous because they negate diligence and work. There's a thread of God doing the miraculous from Genesis all the way to Revelation, but when you look at the miracles, God was always doing miracles that was outside of the people's control, which means they, they couldn't change it. It had to be God. Or God was reversing a bad decision. So he would do something that the people could not do. Israel, they were slaves. God delivered them. He did what they couldn't do. He provided them a cloud during the day to keep them cool, a fire at night to keep them warm. Manna fell out of the sky so they could eat. Water 
came out of a rock so that they could drink. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. But the moment they got into the promised land, the Bible says from that day forward, the manna ceased and God looked down and said, tend it. See, a lot of us don't recognize the season that we are in. You are in a different place now. And if you don't recognize that, you won't understand that you are in a new place and you're asking God to respond in an old way. You want God to take care of you like you are in the wilderness, but God is telling you that you are on the threshold of the promised land. What does that mean? It means that there is no miracle in the promised land, but you are standing on ground right now that God has already put seed in it, and God is saying, manage it, steward it, work it, make it whatever you want. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. Whatever you do with the ground is what you will get out of it. You could have had a good man, but he just looked so good on that Harley. How many know the devil didn't do that? That was your decision. What you didn't know is his mama bought him the motorcycle. You could have had a good wife, but you just wanted a hobby. And it was great in the beginning, but now you got seven kids and you need somebody that can fix something other than macaroni and cheese and clean a house. Demons didn't do it. It's your decision. Now watch this, and I'm going to quit. I'm, I'm making a point with this. The Pharisees came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, perform a miracle. Give us a sign. Prove that you are the Son of God. And Jesus responded in Matthew 16. He said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. He said, only a wicked generation keeps asking for miracles. Let me say it in a way that we can grab. Jesus is saying, only a wicked generation keeps asking me to do what they are now in a season to do for themselves. Yeah, that's about what I thought. It's about management. I'm praying that God open up doors for you this year and put you in rooms that you never dreamed you would be in. Because as we manage the season that we're in, God will open up some brand new doors. And let me say this before, before we pray. When God opens up doors and puts you in rooms around people that are ahead of you, further than you, instead of being offended by it, be inspired by it. I've got to bring you back to this. God has already put in you everything you need. Can you handle the blessing? Did you get something from the Word today? Come on, stand up. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one looking around in this moment. I know this was a challenging word. But some of you, the reason it's so challenging, God is really wanting to take your ability to manage to a whole different level. He wants to entrust you with more. He wants to reign on you. But it's in this season of 
Can we manage the blessing? Can we handle the blessing? His heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're not in a relationship with Him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the door. Nobody can get to the Father except through me. So if you need to be saved today or want to be saved, you know that God's been dealing with you and today is your day, today is your moment. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. That's me. Thank you for that one online. God bless you. Thank you for this hand in the back. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just throw that hand up if that's you. Anyone else? Let's pray together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Come on, celebrate those that have made that decision. Yeah. after that message, y'all still love your pastor or no? All right. I promise, I promise. We will get to the blessing. But it's not, it wouldn't be good for us. How many, have you ever watched those documentaries of the people that come into like millions of dollars at like the age of 19? And by 30, they're broke? You know what's wrong? They can't handle the blessing. Have no way of managing it. God wants to entrust great things to you. Can you manage it? Amen. Our staff and the prayer team's coming forward. If you need prayer, don't leave without it. We have one more worship song. Thank you so much for being here. Can we give God one more big praise today? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.